Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Military court at Rennes, France, where on this 8th day of September, 1899, the celebrated Dreyfus case is in its last day. The court is in recess. The judges are in chambers to make a crucial decision. Will they admit as evidence the testimony of a German agent? Captain Alfred Dreyfus stands accused of betraying the French Republic by turning over top-secret information to this agent. If the German testimony is admitted, it is certain that Dreyfus will be acquitted. If it is not, it is equally as certain that Alfred Dreyfus will again, as he was in his first trial five years ago, be judged guilty of treason and return to the heat and the hell of Devil's Island. The crowd here in the courtroom in this little town of Rennes is quietly awaiting the return of the military justices. And it September 8th, 1899, Rennes, France. You are there. The last day of the infamous Dreyfus case. Will a French military court defy an outraged world opinion and send an innocent officer back to Devil's Island? Back to the twilight of a century, when the very foundations of the French Republic tremble at Emile Zola's cry, I accuse. All things are as they were then, except for one thing. You are there. You are there, produced and directed by Robert Louis Cheon, is based on authentic historical fact and quotation. And now... The courtroom at Rennes, France, and John Daly. In this month's old trial, the tension is reflected in the attitude of not only the spectators, but also it's reflected on the faces and in the manner of the 150 correspondents from all over the world, from Peru to Tibet, from Siberia to Maine. About ten minutes ago, these very same correspondents heard Mitch Labore, the brilliant defense attorney for Alfred Dreyfus, Request that the court allow the testimony of the German agent, Colonel von Schwarzkopf. Here at our microphone is Maître Labory himself and also <laughs> Colonel Dupati de Clam of the French General Staff. Maître Labory has kindly consented to tell our American listeners why he considers Colonel von Schwarzkopf's testimony vital. Dreyfus was accused of corresponding with a German agent. He was supposed to have betrayed certain military secrets to a foreign power. That agent, the court maintains, is Colonel von Schwarzkopf. Boom. I simply want to ask Colonel von Schwarzkopf himself whether he ever received any information from Dreyfus, or indeed, whether he ever had any relations, direct or indirect, with Dreyfus. And do you think, Maître Labore, that Colonel von Schwarzkopf will agree to testify? Uh, I've received notice from Colonel von Schwarzkopf that he would answer any questions put to him. I see. Well, then, it's, it's your hope and your expectation that if von Schwarzkopf is allowed to testify, he will clear Dreyfus. More than that, he will be able to point a finger at the real traitor of France. And that's... Uh... Everyone knows there is no secret about it. It was admitted by Major Estahati, the villain himself, Several years ago, after Dreyfus's first trial, the poor dupe of the higher-ups told the facts to an English newspaper man. He said that the handwriting on the scrap of paper that Dreyfus was supposed to have sent to Germany was his own, Esther Hardy. And moreover, 
Colonel von Schwarzkopf has said, and I quote, I can swear on my honor that Dreyfus is innocent and that he is paying for another. And pointing to Colonel Dupati de Clam, this man sitting here by your side, he said, you see that man? I shouldn't like to be in a skinny's head, for he had an innocent man condemned. <laughs> Von Schwarzkoppen said that at the French woman of us three years ago, didn't he? Wait. Well, he was an invited guest of the French military. He said it to a colonel of the Swiss army. And it seems to me, in all justice and consistency, that if the French army could invite a German to witness its military maneuvers, they certainly could invite him to testify at a French court martial where a man's life is at stake. But, Maitre Labory, when you presented your request, the court said that Colonel von Schwarzkopfen could not testify because he's in Germany. Mais oui, that is a practical consideration. But the telegraph is also a practical invention. Indeed, as the good judges said, the telegraph is too public for diplomatic secrecy. Let them send secret courier. And in answer to that suggestion, as I recall it, Mr. Labory, the president of the court stated that the military code does not permit an interruption of the trial. Uh, he said, please, sir, uh, that he could not suspend the trial while couriers go back and forth across Europe. Uh, the military court provides for a suspension of 48 hours. Certainly, we can risk 48 hours of the good judge's lives rather than risk perpetual living death on Devil's Island for three years. For life imprisonment is what the sentence will be again if he's a judge guilty. Well, now, sir, you mentioned a short while ago that Major Esterhazy was only a dupe of higher-ups in this whole affair. Wait, wait. Well, now, who, in your opinion, is the real, the, the ultimate villain in the Dreyfus case? It is a clique. A military clique of desperate, frightened souls. And it is a tragedy, monsieur, that they represent the army of France. Uh, there are many villains. But the chief among them is Colonel Dupatie de Clan. He engineered it all. Dupatie de Clan. With his monstrous fancy, his complete and torturing madness. Emile <laughs> Zola described him well, eh? Dupatie de Clan, this most intricate of mine, haunted with... Romantic intrigues, uh, delighting in the methods of the newspaper novel, uh, like a cheap detective fiction writer discovering so-called stolen papers, uh, meetings in deserted spots, mysterious women who peddle overwhelming proof by night, examining evidence in a room lined with mirrors. Zola was right. It is Dupatie de Clam who conceived the plan that would rid the French general staff of its only Jewish officer. Why? Why? Because he wanted in ignorance and hatred and prejudice to find a scapegoat that would purge the French army of its own failure. What possible motive could they for have, huh? Why would he deal in espionage money? His family has money. They are wealthy, a man with a wife, children, position, honor. What would be his motive? A criminal must have a motive. The accuser of the places could find no motive. And how fantastic they acted. How fantastic to put a revolver on his desk and expect him to kill himself for their own guilty consciences. No. Monsieur Dreyfus will not oblige them by killing himself. He will live to establish his innocence. Thank you, Mr. Dumbledore. Thank you, sir. The defense attorney for Captain Dreyfus is returning to his seat before the judge's bench, and 
Here now is the man whom Mitch Lavory termed the melodramatic villain of the piece. He is Lieutenant Colonel Dupati de Clam himself of the French General Staff. Well, Colonel, what do you say to Maître Laborie's attack upon you? Monsieur, if Maître Laborie has called me a chief detective fiction writer, I can call him a romantic novelist stepped into disillusion. He will soon be a disappointed man. Then you are convinced, sir, that the court will not allow Colonel von Schwarzkopf's testimony. This is unimportant. What testimony can one give for Guilty man. Guilty? You seem to be somewhat in the minority in that view, Colonel. Practically. Really? Yes, sir. Practically the whole world is convinced of Dreyfus's innocence. The whole world. Has the army of France disappeared off the face of the globe? Just as Monsieur Labory and Zola cry out, Jacques, I too can cry out, Jacques. I accuse these misguided men of protecting a traitor and defaming the glorious name of the French army. I accuse these men of maligning the first court-martial of 1894, who found Dreyfus guilty. These were brave officers and patriots who have shed their blood on the field of battle for France. While uh, writers, where do they shed their blood? As I recall it, Colonel Emil Zola, the writer, said that some serve France with the sword and some with the pen, and Zola has also asked, sir, what name will posterity choose and honor, that of Zola, the writer, or yours, the soldier? Evidently, Zola is a passionate man, very passionate for publicity, a good way to sell books. As for me, I will uphold the honor of the army. At all costs. And also injustice, Colonel? Injustice? If injustice was done to this traitor, which I swear is false, injustice is preferable to disorder. Goethe said that. He is a traitor, I just We never meant to get you into a literary discussion, Colonel, but another great writer, Emmanuel Kant, said. When justice is gone, it is no longer important that men should live on the earth. I said it before, and I will say it again. Dreyfus betrayed France. The sentimental conscience of the world brought him back from Devil's Island for a second trial. That it will avail them nothing. Dreyfus was judged guilty once. He will be judged guilty again today. Well, Colonel, you heard Maître Labory claim that von Schwarzkopf's testimony will prove Dreyfus innocent. Would you care to comment on that? Uh, why don't we wait to hear what Colonel von Schwarzkopf really has to say? Perhaps the judges will allow his uh, official testimony. Thank you, Colonel Dupati de Clarence. The colonel is now walking back to his seat. He's a slight man with an impressive Prussian handlebar mustache. Indeed, there's hardly a clean-shaven face in this courtroom. Both court officials and spectators here seem to be well hidden behind luxurious growths of beard. A small group of men in the colorful costume of the desert has entered the court. One man wears a turban, and he seems to be some kind of an important personage. He's talking and laughing with the guards. 
and the guards have bowed to him and let him in. He's a newcomer to the trial. I haven't seen him here before. And he's coming right up front here, surrounded by his rather fierce-faced entourage. Let's try and find out who he is. Pardon, monsieur. I speak English, monsieur. But why do you want to know who I am? Well, it's not everyone who can impress the guards as you have. <laughs> that, that was quite simple, mon ami. I merely gave my word that I would not create the disturbance. Really? <laughs> and are you so celebrated for creating disturbances? Maybe we, with people I, I have reason not to like. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, are there many of them? Oh, no, 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 no. Not so many now. I... I disposed of a few thousand when I was mayor of Algiers. <laughs> oh, I understand. You must be Regie, once mayor of Algiers, who, as you say, disposed of 10,000 Jews in massacres. You'll have to excuse me now. The president of the court has just entered. The guards have snapped to attention. Everybody has risen. The judges are taking their places on the bench. They remain standing on either side of the president. He's waiting for silence before he reads this momentous decision. If the court allows the evidence of Colonel von Schwarzkopf Dreyfus will probably never go back to Devil's Island. If the court refuses to allow it, Dreyfus will be doomed to dishonor and again return to the torture of the equator. The courtroom is absolutely silent now, and the president speaks. De 1891 à 1897. Le tribunal. Just what has happened, we hope to know in just a minute. After the shot, the voice shouted, I killed Dreyfus out of my way, or I'll kill you all. I'm not sure just where that voice came from. Or if Dreyfus has indeed been shot. The court is in an uproar. Men are shouting and milling about. Everyone is shouting. Women are screaming. I still can't see the man who fired. The guards have rushed to the rear of the court. And evidently, they're after the assassin. I can't see Dreyfus either. There's a big mob around him. And we can't get a microphone over there. John! Yes, John. John Hollenbeck. Yes. See if you can get through to Dreyfus. Find out if he's been killed. Right, John. John Hollenbeck is fighting his way through this mob. We'll know in a moment what Dreyfus' condition is. I think there were four shots fired altogether. Four shots, then a scream, and to repeat, a man shouted in French, I killed Dreyfus, I killed Dreyfus. The police have drawn out their revolvers. They're working desperately to restore order here. They're meeting with some success now. A lane is being cleared by the guards and the police. Right down the middle of the courtroom. They're clearing the way for a tall man. It's Monsieur Cornet of the Judicial Police. He's jumped up on a table and he's shouting for order, waving his arm. It's been shot. Laborie, Dreyfus' defense attorney, not the defendant himself. Laborie has been shot. That was an official announcement from the police. Laborie, the most famous lawyer in France, has been shot by an assassin who, strangely enough, shouted that it was Dreyfus whom he had killed. Ah, here's John Hollander. Laboree's alive, John. Laboree's alive. The bullet hit him in the fleshy part of the back, but the wound's not fatal. Where have they taken him, Doc? They've taken him to an ante room, and the doctors are taking care of him there. Did he say anything? Just after he'd been shot, he said, I may die, but Dreyfus is saved. Dreyfus is saved. Did you find out what they've decided to do about the trial, Doc? Well, Maitre Demange, Laboree's colleague, wanted to ask for a recess. I should yes. think so. Yes. 
protest, but Laparee said no. He insisted the trial go on. Here comes Demange now out of the ante room. That's right, Don. Mitch Demange is approaching the bar. The crowd is quieting down. They're under control, although some people are still weeping and crying, Allez, miserable, miserable. The president of the court speaks. Merci, Monsieur le Président. Mes maîtres Laborie préfèrent que l'on continue les procès. Avec votre permission, je vais prendre sa place. The court is about to suspend for the day, but Maître Demont says it is the wish of Laborie that the trial be resumed. He's asked for the court's ruling on the Schwarzkopf testimony, and now the president speaks again. Que seul le président de la cour veut ordonner une commission rogatoire. Mais, d'après le code militaire, les juges composant le tribunal n'ont pas qualité pour l'ordonner. Donc, monsieur le président... The president of the court says he is the only one who can permit Schwarzkopf's testimony and Monsieur Demange is pressing him for an answer. The president of the court has just announced that he will not admit the evidence of a German attaché in a French court. The audience is on its feet, shocked, shouting out wildly and protesting. Dreyfus, the prisoner, is frozen in his chair. He appears shocked, and his face looks as if he's already been returned to the solitary and barricaded hut on Devil's Island, which he occupied for five long, terrible years. This refusal to allow Schwarzkopf's testimony means Dreyfus's chances are gone. It also is an affront to Imperial Germany, as Colonel von Schwarzkopf is an important figure in German intelligence. We take you now to Berlin, Ned Kalmer reporting. The Imperial German government has prepared a statement to be released officially on the decision of the French court in regard to Colonel von Schwarzkopf's testimony. Although Germany and France are traditional enemies, they have never officially interfered with one another's internal peacetime affairs. Today, however, the Imperial German government, to uphold its honor among nations as its state, goes on record before the whole world with the following announcement, I quote, For the preservation of his own dignity and in fulfillment of a duty to humanity, the Secretary of State makes the following statement. I declare in the most positive manner that no relations or connections of any kind ever existed between the French Captain Dreyfus and any German agent. That's the end of the announcement, and that bears out Colonel von Schwarzkopf's statement, which has been barred as evidence. I return you now to John Daly in the courtroom at Rennes. The official statement which you just heard from Berlin can have no effect upon the deliberations of this court. The court retired immediately after refusing to hear Colonel von Schwarzkopf's testimony. The opinion here in the courtroom is divided. Some observers think that the court refused to hear the testimony because it had already decided to acquit Dreyfus. Others believe that Dreyfus is doomed once again. Metro Lavery is back. He's here in the courtroom. His wounds not as serious as we thought. He insisted on coming into the courtroom in order to hear the final verdict was greeted by a sustained ovation when he entered. It was one of the happiest moments, by the way, of this month-old sad trial. Miss Laborie is now sitting on a well-cushioned armchair provided by the court. Dreyfus has just stretched out his hand to Miss Laborie. The smile of keen pleasure lights up his usually impassive features. Dreyfus, of course, is the symbol of martyrdom in this trial, but it must also be remembered that he is more than a symbol. He is a man who has suffered much, a man with a wife and children fighting for his... And their honor, the judges are entering the court again. They've not been out long. The spectators have risen. 
and a hush falls over the court. This is the moment in which it will be determined whether the twilight of the 19th century will also see the twilight of the Republic of France, or instead the triumph of justice. Dreyfus has risen. At this final critical moment, his face has again become pale and impassive. The judges are standing in their places, full military uniforms, white plume in the hat of the president of the court, black plumes in the hats of the other judges, medals, gold stripes, swords, soldiers standing erect in their formal bearing, their hands unsullied in white gloves. The president is holding a white paper, and now he's reading the verdict of the century. Crowded to the doors, 
Dwight L. Moody, the evangelist, condemned the court-martial of Dreyfus as follows. We who are here for Christian worship condemn the trial and trust and pray that it yet may be overruled by a higher authority acting for the honor of France and in fear of God. And now for reactions in England, we take you to London, Arthur Hannis reporting. The Daily News has summed up the trial in a brief statement. I quote, It is no longer Dreyfus, but France herself that is on trial. And the Times, normally a conservative newspaper, burned its pages with this editorial comment. We do not hesitate to pronounce the Dreyfus trial as the grossest and most appalling prostitution of justice the world has witnessed in modern times. All outrageous scandals in history pale into insignificance beside the crowning scandal of the verdict. Uh, just a moment. I've just been advised that our correspondent Ken Roberts in Carpentras, France, has succeeded in arranging an exclusive interview with the wife of the condemned man, Madame Lucy Dreyfus. I switch you now to Carpentras and Ken Roberts. The town of Carpentras is an old walled city that was once the residence of Pope Clement V. Madame Dreyfus and I are in the home of a friend of her husband's family. Madame Dreyfus, why are you here in Carpentras? Because it was here that I expected to shelter my husband should he have been liberated. The people here are not the victims of prejudice. They do not hate. I see. Madame Dreyfus, may I ask why you are not at Rennes with your husband? I was at Rennes. But at Rennes, Elfred feared for my life. He told me to take the children here. He did not want them at Rennes to be a dishonorable spectacle. And now that your husband has been found guilty again, what will you do, Madame Dreyfus? I will do what I promised to do when he was served unjustly convicted five years ago. I will devote my life to proving that he is innocent. Well, is it true, Madame Dreyfus, that you made a pact with your husband that if he fights to live in spite of the tortures of Devil's Island, you will fight to liberate him? Yes, that is true. He could have easily committed suicide on Devil's Island by taking off his hat and Bearing his head to the sun for only ten minutes. It was torture to remain alive. Five years in solitary confinement. And when the false rumors spread in France that an American rescue ship was off Devil's Island, they punished my husband by keeping an armed guard constantly in his cell, day and night pointing a pistol at him, hoping he would make a move so they could have... An excuse for killing him. The world knows, Madame Dreyfus, that it was your love and your devotion to your husband's cause that kept him alive. Mm. He needed more than that. He asked me to send him English books to keep his tortured mind occupied. That is how he learned English. And me too, I read them also. Do you plan an appeal, Madame Dreyfus? Yes, he needed more. Maitre Labry, I am so glad he wasn't hurt. He is a great man. He will leave for Paris at once. And for my part, I will devote my life to reaching every wife and mother. I will move the hearts of every wife and mother of the world. For every wife and mother of the world would fight so that their husbands 
Their son shall not suffer injustice. I will tell all... This is John Daly at News Headquarters in Rennes. We have interrupted Madame Dreyfus to bring you a bulletin. Captain Dreyfus has been pardoned. I'll repeat that. Captain Dreyfus has been pardoned. The President of France has just announced that due to extenuating circumstances, Captain Alfred Dreyfus has been pardoned in principle. It's not yet clear what is meant by the phrase in principle or what the extenuating circumstances are, but one thing is sure now, Dreyfus has been pardoned. Here's another announcement just been given to me. Dreyfus accepts the pardon. His attorney, Mitch Laborie, urged him not to accept, but to fight on for complete vindication. But Dreyfus's doctor declared that his body could not stand the ordeal of further imprisonment. Here, still another announcement, and this one comes from the French Ministry of War. In a special order to the French Army, the Minister of War said, The incident is closed. I ask you, and if need be, I order you to forget the past in order to think only of the future. I cry heartily, vive l'armée. The army belongs to no party but only to France, and I repeat, the incident is closed. That's the end of the order. September 8, 1899, Rennes, France. Alfred Dreyfus is pardoned, but the fight against prejudice goes on. You have been listening to the Dreyfus case. Another broadcast in the series, You Are There, produced and directed by Robert Louis Cheon. The Dreyfus case was written by Joseph List and Mr. Cheon. The part of Metro Laborie was played by Joseph DeSantis. Maurice Tarplin was Colonel Dupatie de Tom. Charlotte Holland was Madame Dreyfus. Also in the cast were Juano Hernandez, Tony O'Selbert, and Guy Sorrell. The Dreyfus case was broadcast originally by CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and rebroadcast for our men and women in the armed services in our series, You Are There. Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.